Papua New Guinea, a land of beauty, a land of diversity, a place where hospitality and relationships exist with false teaching and sorcery. When we first arrived in Papua New Guinea in 1994, we were prepared to do whatever God wanted us to do. Our first task was to begin to learn the culture by living and working with the people. This included building a house, something that was important because it showed them we planned to stay. Shortly after we moved in, I taught a week-long study on salvation, and it was then that I found my passion for teaching. It wasn't long before the people asked for a Bible school, and a year later, Akao Bible School began. It soon became clear that God had sent us to deliver one unique message. You can't serve God and the spirits. You must choose. After a decade in Akao, God moved us to Christian Leaders Training College, one of the highest institutions of evangelical learning in the country. I soon found that the students in the school were struggling to teach their own people the same message, you must choose. Through the study of scripture, along with sound biblical teaching, they found out what the people needed to know to make this choice. During our last year at Christian Leaders Training College, I divided my time between teaching at the school's campus in Ley and teaching Bible courses at Wycliffe Bible Translators Main Center in Ukurumpa. I also learned of Ukurumpa's desire to expand their training program and was asked to join them. The training center in Ukurumpa has now grown into a facility able to accommodate over 100 students with a men's dorm, a ladies dorm, and a dining hall. The most recent addition was a building that has brought the total number of dedicated classrooms to five and allowed us to expand our office from a cramped closet to a purpose-built facility. Students come to the training center for courses ranging from one to six weeks in length, studying subjects from basic grammar to advanced syntax, and from introductory Bible courses to exegesis. The goal is to produce men and women who can translate the scriptures and rightly divide the word of truth. With these tools, the men and women of Papua New Guinea can choose whom they will serve. understand the context in order to actually understand the Bible itself. If you don't have the context, it's, it's just, I mean, you know, you just take a verse out of context and you can make it say just about anything you want. And a lot of times people do. We won't go into all the verses that, that are my pet peeves that are misused so often because people don't look at the context. But really, if, you, if you're thinking of a camera and you've got it zoomed in, well, you've got to back out. And you start looking at the verses in front of it and behind it. 
You start looking at the chapter. You start looking at the section that is in the book. You start looking at the entire book. You start looking at maybe books by the same author. And then you start looking at it in the text. And you look at it bigger and bigger until you're actually looking at it in the, in the scope with the whole idea of the Bible in mind. Well, Acts chapter 15 is something that you cannot understand properly unless you back out and you actually look at it in the context, not of just Acts chapters, you know, three or four or whatever in front or behind it, not just the book. You actually, in order to understand Acts chapter 15, you actually have to go all the way back to Adam. To Adam. Now we're going to follow two lines here. Two things that I want you to see that kind of come together at the end, but they're both very important to Acts chapter 15. Alright? So when God created the world, He had one man and woman, one woman, right? Yes? Just one man and one woman. And unfortunately, they sinned. And so God kicked them out of the garden, and He gave them one command. That command is, fill the earth and subdue it. Right? Fill the earth. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, did things go well after that? No. Nah, things didn't go so well. Um, the Bible says that violence increased upon the earth, and God basically, he looked at it and he said, dang it, that didn't work out. Um, he said he was sorry. He repented that he made man. It's not like he did something wrong. It was just that he was sorry. It's just like, this didn't go well. This was not what I wanted. And so what did he do? He started with one man and one woman, and then he decided, okay, I will start again, and I will start with one family. And that was Noah and his sons, right? So one family. He moved from one man to one family. Well, did that go well? No. He gave them the same command. Fill the earth and subdue it. Did they fill the earth and subdue it? No. No. No, they didn't want to. They didn't want to. Instead, they built a tower. The tower was not so that they could reach God. It wasn't that idea. If you look at it, it says they built the tower so that they might not be scattered among all the earth. They didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay there. They wanted to disobey God's command. They did not want to fill the earth and subdue it. So God started with one man. That didn't work out. Then he turned to one family. That didn't work out. So he turned and he made one nation. And he didn't choose a nation that already existed. He said, I will make a nation. And that started with Abram, who then he named Abraham. And in Acts, I'm sorry, in Genesis 12, God said, Now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, Go from your country to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. So one man, one family, one nation. Well, in order to have a nation, what two things do you need in order to have a nation? There's two things that you just got to have. People and land. land. All right. If you don't have land and people, you're not going to have a nation. So God promised Abraham that I will give you a land. For all the land that you see, I will give you and to your offspring forever. And not only that, that he would make many descendants of him. There would be many people. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So we have a nation. Or at least we have the building blocks of a nation. True? Right? And so now you've got it. You've been following that line. Well, God gave them a sign. Circumcision was not unheard of in the, in the, uh, in the near, ancient Near East, but it was not something that was around Israel. And so God said, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, I did want to make note that, that throughout this, you'll see that every slide except for this one and the next one have pictures associated with it. You're welcome. All right? <laughs> so that was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, God gave the sign of circumcision to Abraham that this is the sign that you are my people. Very important. Very important. 2,000 years before Christ. 2,000 years. We don't understand that. This country is 240 years old. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Okay? 
thousand years. You've got to start thinking about that. That's a long time. Tradition. We can't break tradition sometimes that's been around for 10 or 15 years. Well, we've always done it that way. Oh, really? Yeah, for what, 10 years? <laughs> okay, for 2,000 years, they always did it this way. All right? It was re-emphasized to Moses in about 1,500 years before Christ. And it said, on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. All right? So, circumcision, very important, very important to the Israelites. Well, the idea is that if you wanted to worship the one true God, the only way to worship the one true God is to become a member of the nation of Israel. A member of the nation of Israel. Only those people worshiped the one true God. So, it says in Exodus 12, if a stranger shall sojourn with you. Now, hang on. Stranger sojourn, it's, it's kind of odd. This is a word that really, it's kind of the idea is right now Israel is sojourning. They're traveling around, right? So, the translators tr translated it this way. But it can mean immigrant. You can actually say, if an immigrant will immigrate. All right? So we're talking immigration here. This is not a political statement, okay? No, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying how it was back then, okay? So don't shoot me. Um, people on either side can shoot me for this one. <clears throat> if a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. So if they're going to immigrate, if they're going to become a part of Israel, the males had to be circumcised. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So there's only one law. Not only the native Israelites, they follow that same law that the sojourner or the immigrant must follow. And that law included circumcision. It included circumcision. The best um, example we have of this is the example of Ruth. Remember Ruth. When she was with Naomi, and Naomi said, you know, go back. You, you've lost, your husbands are dead, and you, me, I'm just an old, just go back. Go back. Well, Ruth said what? No, I won't go back. And she said, wherever you go, I will go. Hang on, that's the land. Remember? In order to have a nation, you have to have what? You have to have land and people, and... You also, if you're going to be a Jew, you have to follow the one true God. So it's, there's the land, there's the uh, people, and there's the God. Where you go, I will go. That's the land. All right? Your people shall be my people. That's the people. And your God shall be my God. So she was a proselyte. She is declaring herself, I am going to be a member of the nation of Israel. And she was. In fact, she was in Jesus' line, right? Another um, proselyte was in Jesus' line. Rahab, you remember her? She was also in line. She was a Gentile who became a member of the nation of Israel. And so she worshipped the one true living God. That's the way it worked. All right? Well... What this was supposed to do, really, was it was the way that God wanted to reach the earth. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God says, You are a holy nation. You shall be a nation of priests. A nation of priests. Well, what do priests do? Priests lead in worship. True? Yes? We had people up here singing this morning. What were they doing? They were leading in worship. All right? If everybody would have been up here on the stage this morning leading in worship, who would you have been leading? Nobody. Right? Nobody. Everybody's standing up on the stage, everybody's clapping, and nobody's... You're not leading anybody. Well, if, if Israel is a nation of priests, and they're supposed to lead in worship, well, who are they leading? They are supposed to lead who? Who do you think? The world. Exactly. God wanted to reach the world through the nation of Israel. Unfortunately, they became very exclusive. You understand, the law was actually a, something that was a gift of grace to the people. Remember, the Israelites, what are they known for in the wilderness? 
they complained about everything. This was not, there's not enough food. Oh, here's, it's not the right kind of food. It's not, we want this, we want, there's not water, there's water doesn't taste good. Everything is wrong. They complained about everything, but not once, not one time did they ever complain about the law. Why? Because it was grace. You understand, they were, they were surrounded by pagans. And these pagans, these people, were trying to worship their gods. And really the way they try to worship is by trial and error. It's like, okay, we want to get our gods to do something, and so we'll try this. And it's like, well, that seemed to work. Let's try it. Oh, boy, that didn't go so well this time. And so we'll try something. They're trying to manipulate their gods. They're trying to figure out how they're supposed to serve their gods. And, and they don't know. But God chose his people and he gave them the law. He said, this is how you serve me. I'm going to tell you exactly how you should do it. And it wasn't something that was a burden to them. It was something that was grace. It became hard, but it was something that was grace. Well, they became very separatistic in this. We have the law. Our God gave us the law. We know how to serve our God. <laughs> you? Sorry. <laughs> you keep trying, but no, we know how to serve our God. Thank you very much. We're pretty good. You know, we're pretty happy about this. And, and really, it did become, they became very separatistic. Instead of becoming a nation of priests, where they were leading the world in worship of the one true God, they said, no, he's our God. And they held him closely. They held him closely. And even their language bears this out. Now, remember, I, I want to tell you, just in case there's a linguist in the crowd, so you don't start stoning me here and now, this is not a definitive linguistic analysis of these two Hebrew words. It is merely an example from the language. All right? So just in case. Anybody the linguist here? Good. Okay, I'm safe. I've worked with them for the past few years, and they can be a rowdy bunch. <laughs> so, good, I'm safe. Nevertheless, they had two words for people. They had am and they had goy. Two words in Hebrew for people. And they're translated various ways in the Old Testament. You won't always recognize them. But really, one is an inclusive term, and one is an exclusive term. In many languages, they have... The pronoun we, they have we inclusive and we exclusive. In our language, we have to do that with intonation or with context. Because we can mean me and somebody else, or it can mean everybody, right? I can say, my wife and I, we're going to the store. Who does that include? That's just the two of us. That's exclusive. That's us, but not you, right? Okay? Or I can say, hey, we're going to the store. Well, who's that include? Everybody, right? Okay, we do it with context, or with hand motions, maybe. <laughs> but however you do it, it's, it's the way it is. Well, Am and Goy is the same way. Am is the people that you are a member of. It is a general word for people. It's sometimes used people of the earth, which is understandable because, you know, if you're saying, you know, the people of the earth, you're probably one of them, right? Yes, everybody here, people of the earth, good, okay. So it's a general term for people, but it's also used as people you are a part of. People you are a part of. And really for the Israelites, it became a point of pride. We are the Am. We are the Am. We are, we are God's people. And we, we have the law. Mm -hmm. We are the Am. We're the good, us. We have the Am. You <laughs> are the Goy. <clears throat> well, when, when uh, Ruth said... Um, in in uh, Ruth 1.16, when she said, your God, or sorry, your people will be my people, she said, I'm of you, I'm of me. Your people, people of you, your people, my people. It's kind of like mi casa, su casa. You don't need a helping verb in there, right? Your house, my house. Well, we, in English, we put a helping verb in. Your house is my, or my house is how your, your house is my house. I like that one better. Now, my house is your house. <laughs> um, or, in this case, she's just saying, your people, my people. Your people, my people. All right? These are the ah. 
These are the Am. And then you have the Goy. The Goy. The Goy are the ones that, well, <laughs> those are the pagans. Those are the ones who are trying to figure out how to worship their God. Those are the ones who do those deplorable. Can you imagine what those people do? They sacrifice their children. They're horrible. They do all of these terrible. They are the goy. It's like you have to clean your mouth out after you say, the goy. The goy. We are the arm. You are the goy. No. And that's really what it was. Goy is just a nasty word. The nations, the pagans, the, those people. That's just who you are. Man, it must have hurt. In Joshua, Joshua, when God said this, he said, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this Goy. Oh, that hurt. Because this Goy have transgressed my covenant that I commit. He has just referred to the Israelites as the Goy. No, that's bad. All that must have hurt. Because they're not the Goy. They're the Am. They're the Am. Okay? So we're following these two lines here. This is something that's pretty important when we get to Acts chapter 15. Well, Let's go into the first part of Acts, Acts chapter 2. What happens in Acts chapter 2? People receive the Holy Spirit. Who? The Am or the Goy? The Am. These are Jews who have gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and they have received the Holy Spirit. This is incredible. This is wonderful. Can you believe it? This is what was prophesied in Amos, that, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on his people. See, you and I, we don't get this. We don't get this. The day, the day we're saved, the moment we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit, and he's with us. He's the down payment. He's the surety of heaven, it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. He, he's with us. We have the Holy Spirit. We, we don't understand what this is like. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain people for a certain purpose for a certain time. Think of Samson. Certain people. Not everybody had the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit of the Lord came upon him, okay, at a certain time, and for a certain purpose, he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and he slew a thousand Philistines. But you know what? Did he keep the Holy Spirit? No. Went away. Then the Holy Spirit came upon him again, and he killed a lion with his bare hands. At the end of the book, he came, or at the end of his life, he came, the Holy Spirit came upon him again, and he was able to pull down the temple. Right? But the Holy Spirit came and went. Certain person, certain time, certain reason. <clears throat> David was one of those ones that just, you know, oh, David. Oh, David. If you were Israelite, David was a. I mean, you talk giants of the face. He was beyond Billy Graham. I mean, Billy Graham was down. David. David. David received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him when he was anointed king. And the Holy Spirit stayed with him. He had the Holy Spirit. He recognized that he could have lost the Holy Spirit. In, um, in Psalms 51, he says, God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He understood that he could lose the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit was until Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon his people and he stayed with them. All of them. This was incredible. This is just glorious stuff. But then we move to Acts chapter 8. You haven't gotten there yet. I know that. <clears throat> when, uh, when Alan asked me to uh, preach, he said, uh, what's your favorite book in Acts? I said, <laughs> well, Acts chapter 15 is always good because that's like the pinnacle of Acts. That's the, that's the climax of Acts. That's one of the climaxes of the Bible, really. Um, one of. And so I said, you know, Acts 15. He said, well, we won't be there yet, but you can go for it. All right. Well, I'm going for it. <laughs> All right. Well, we get to Acts chapter 8. And what happens there? Ooh. Oh, this must have been like a sucker punch right in the gut. Oh, my word. The Samaritans? 
the Samaritans that received the Holy. Oh my word! Oh, this is, I'm going to have to think about this for a little while because this the Samaritans when the Assyrians came and they took over the northern kingdom, one of the ways that um, some nations decided to assimilate their people was that they would have them intermarried. They took some of the Israelites, they took them back to Assyria, they took some of the Assyrian people and sent them to Israel. And the Israelites intermarried with those goy. Mm. And, and they didn't have access to God's holy mountain, Mount Zion, so they made their own mountain, Mount Gerizim, that's it. Mm, we'll worship there. And while we don't accept all the writings and the prophets and these ones, we'll just, we just take the Torah. That's, that's our scripture. And, and they also started to accept some of the practices of those goy that lived among them. So they were half um, but half goy. No. And yet they received the Holy Spirit. Oh, my word. Well, I I guess I can take that, but boy, that hurts. That hurts. And then, Acts chapter 10. Oh, no. That's a sucker punch right in the chops, man. That's like, that should have that video, you know, that they take the slow motion of the guy getting punched in the jaw and his face just kind of flaps around. Oh, that, that must be how they... The goy have received the Holy Spirit. The goy. Can you believe this? This is oh, how I. There's just no words for it. Because this, the, the goy, the Holy Spirit, they're not even circumcised and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Oh, my word. Ah, what do we do about that? Well, that's tough. That's tough right there. The goy received the Holy Spirit. Oh man, the Jews must have been just reeling at this point. I mean, we're now at the um, Acts chapter 15. By the time we get to Acts chapter 15, <coughs> Acts chapter 10, not even, we're not even, what, about 15 years since Christ died. And now... Well, that's a tough one. Well, Paul went on his first missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14. And where did he go? He did not go to the Jews. He went to Goy. Now, he did go to the, the uh, Israelite first. He went to the synagogues first, always. But he also went to the Goy. To the Goy. And things didn't go real well for him. I, I always kind of laugh at Paul. He must have been a real glutton for punishment. He enjoyed getting beaten up. Because, well, I mean, he went to uh, Antioch first. And then they had Judaizers. Well, hang on. We find out about these Judaizers in the book of Galatians. Because this is Galatia here. All right? And so he wrote the book of Galatians to these people. And we find out that these people, these, these people of the circumcision, they're called started getting on Paul's case. These are the people who were saying, look, for 2,000 years, the way to follow the one true living God is to become a member of the nation of Israel. And the mark of that nation is circumcision. So if you're going to worship the one true living God, circumcision is not debatable. It is a must. I can kind of understand that. Can you? 2,000 years. I mean, we get stuck in the mud when something's been going on for 10 or 15. And we don't do it that way anymore. We don't do it. I don't like that. We've never done it that way. You have ever heard that around here? No. 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 Well, go to some old church. You'll hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that does happen, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, and but but we're talking just a few years, two thousand years. Circumcision has been the mark, and the only way to follow the one true God is to join Israel and for the males to be circumcised. That's it. 
and Paul's going and preaching, and he's not including circumcision? Well, the Jews got all up in his face about that, right? And no, 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 no. And so they chased him out of Antioch, and he went to um, Iconium. And they uh, came up there, and they followed him to Iconium, and they chased him out of there. And then he went to Lystra. This is the fun one. Remember when he came? Uh, Paul and Barnabas, or yeah, Paul and Barnabas came, and, and they wanted to uh, sacrifice an oxen to them. They said, "Oh well, this is Zeus," and and, and Paul's yapping all the time, so he's Hermes. And so you know, he, and they wanted to worship him, and and it took a long time, but Paul finally calmed it. No, 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 no. He got him to stop. And then what happened? A few what? A couple weeks later, <laughs> they stoned him. They thought he was dead. They stoned him. And so he finally got up and he left and he went to Derby, the last, uh, the last city on his tour. And then you know what he did? He turned around and he went back for another round. <laughs> he said, I'm going to do that again. That was fun. <laughs> right. But he did. He turned around and he went, he followed the same thing back. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe he just enjoys stoning. Maybe he had an itch on his back. He just couldn't reach. Oh, I got it right there. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. But it, that's what he did. Well, now we finally come to Acts chapter 15. We finally come. And the first verse in Acts chapter 15, it says, um, Men from Judea, um, they came down and they visited Antioch. All right? So, they came from Jerusalem and it says they came down. Okay, we look at that and we say, oh, that's, that's up. No, 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 no. Because, see, Jerusalem is built on a hill. So Israel, because so Jerusalem was always up. You always went up to Jerusalem, and you always went down from Jerusalem. All right, so they went down to Antioch. All right, and these 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 people, they came up and they said, "Look, you've got to be circumcised if you want to follow the one true living God. That's great. Follow our Messiah. Follow our God. That's great. Remember, these are Jewish Christians. All right, most likely in this case as well. All right." And, and he's saying, you know, hey, if you want to follow him, that's great. But you, the men have got to be circumcised. You've got to be part of the nation of Israel. That's the way it works. And Paul and Barnabas, well, they didn't like that at all. And they got all up in their face. And man, they just, they were arguing and they were fighting and they were screaming and yelling at each other. It says there was no small dissension. All right? That's funny, right? Yeah, good, okay, at least I got a laugh this time. First service in that, they were all good. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, I like Calvin and Hoffman, what can I say? All right, so they're screaming at each other. It's no small dissension. It's like, you know, that's like, yeah, that's 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 euphemistic term. That's like, you know, yeah, there was, that means they were screaming their guts out, okay? They were all over the place. And so what they did was they decided, okay, Paul, Barnabas, you guys go down to Jerusalem, talk to the uh, disciples, the apostles down there, and let's get this figured out. So they did. They came and they went from Antioch and they traveled down to Jerusalem. And now we have the scene set for the Jerusalem Council. <clears throat> so we've finally gotten there. It only took us a few minutes. But see, this stuff is important. This stuff is very important because this is the matter they were deciding. Do Gentiles need to become part of the nation of Israel in order to follow the one true God. Does this have implications for you and me? Well, are we Am or are we Goy? <laughs> we are. We are Goy. We're what they're discussing there. We are the Goy. Do the Goy need to follow? I mean, you know, if they're going to follow the one true God, do they need to become Jews in order to do that? That's what they're going to discuss. This has major implications for you and for me. And I'm really glad they decided the way they did because I'm not sure if I would have. <laughs> it says in uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 5, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, hang on, we just stop right there. Don't we? The Pharisees. Oh, the Pharisees, they said it's necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. The Pharisees, those are the bad guys, right? Those are awful people. Everybody, yeah, those are, no. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, let me let me give you four choices. If you lived back then, there were four there were four I guess social, political, or religious factions. All right. The first one was the Essenes. The Essenes. The Essenes were basically the monks. All right. They lived out in the wilderness, and and they didn't really bother anybody. They grew their own food, and they and they copied scripture. Oh, think of hmm, Dead Sea Scrolls. That was the Essenes. All right. And so they're out there. They aren't bothering anybody. So you know, we're not really concerned about it. anybody here a monk. Anybody here a monk? No. Okay, so you're not one of the Essenes. All right. Here we go. Then you have the Zealots. Ah, we might have a few of those. All right, anybody got a gun on this my hill? I'm going, mm-hmm, I'm going to stand on this. You're a zealot, okay? Well, don't worry about that, because even one of Jesus' disciples, Simon, not Peter, but Simon, was Simon the Zealot. So he, even, he had a disciple who was a zealot. But, you know, those are kind of the freaky people. Those are the ones who are, you know, always, you know, anti-this, anti-that, anti-government, anti-whatever. And they're always ready to take them on. Oh, yeah, I got a sword, and here we go! And that was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hmm. Anyway, um, so he might have been a zealot too. Never know. He certainly acted like one, didn't he? <laughs> All right, so you've got the zealots. But how many? Well, I'm not going to ask for hands because I might get a few. All right, so you, a couple of you might be zealots. All right, but most of us probably not. All right, then you had the Sadducees. Those are the politicians. All right, the idea with them was, hey, the Romans, they're not so bad. Look, Herod's built us this nice temple. It's really pretty. And, and while they're kind of allowing us to do our own thing, we can worship our God, um, you know, we have to, there's a little give and take, you know, certain things we can do, certain things we can't do, but, you know, let's work with them. It's, it's okay. This is, this is all right. We're just going to, we'll, we'll take it easy, and, and we'll, you know, like I said, the little give and take, we have to give up a few things. I know they're important, but, you know, to, to, to have peace, we'll do that. All right, the politicians, they're trading back and forth. That's the Sadducees. Anybody? Well, I might get a couple of those too, but most of us are probably not the Sadducees. That leaves one group. That leaves just one group, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were actually the good guys. They were the ones who were concerned about the Scripture. They were the ones who wanted to make sure everybody followed the Scripture. They studied the Scripture. They studied it carefully. They knew what the scripture said. When Paul, when he was giving his qualifications as an apostle in 2nd um, uh, Corinthians, he said, I am a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Alright, that's just kind of a superlative. I am one of the best Pharisees. That was actually, that was like, well done. Well done. We all would have said, okay, that's, that's a big deal. That's like saying, okay... I went to seminary, and I have a doctorate. <laughs> All right? He's well-learned. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. That's a good thing. He knew the scriptures because the Pharisees followed the scriptures. Scripture first. Scripture first. We follow the scriptures. We're going to stick to the scriptures. What the scriptures say, that's what we're going to do. And it doesn't matter if it's politically expedient or not. We're going to stick with the scriptures. Amen? You're a Pharisee. <laughs> and so am I okay we would have belonged to this group the Pharisees and the Pharisees wanted them to follow the scripture if you're gonna be a follower of the one true God you have to become a member of the nation of Israel it's just the way it's been for 2,000 years it's not changing now thank you very much that's what the Pharisees said. Well, Peter gives an argument. And so now we come to the arguments that we hear in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council. Peter says, brothers, you know that in early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe. He's talking about Acts chapter 10. Remember the, the big old sheet came down? Praise God for that, because now we have ham sandwiches. Yeah, and, and endless shrimp, right? Yeah, endless shrimp. Gotta love that. Okay, those were in the shrimp were they were sticking out of the sheet too. All right, so we're all happy for anybody here like seafood. Mm-hmm. You like that sheet? Me too. All right, we like that. Okay, and that's what he's talking about because God said, "What I have called clean, 
Don't you dare call it unclean. And he's not, and Peter realized that he's not just talking about the things that he's seen in the sheep. He knows that God is talking about the glory. The glory. What I have called clean, don't you dare call unclean. Peter also said, well, sorry, that's an, that's an argument from experience. So Paul, or sorry, so Peter uses an argument from experience. It says, God sent me to the Gentiles. Not only that, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He gave the goy the Holy Spirit just like he gave us the Holy Spirit. Again, another argument from experience. God gave them, God sent me to the Gentiles. God gave the Gentiles the Holy Spirit. That's pretty significant, yes? Okay, you're kind of getting this now, right? This is big news. This is a big deal. This is cataclysmic. That's a big word, and it's true, all right? So if you, yeah, if you went to public school, you might have to look that one up, but, you know, it's a good word. Cataclysmic is big. Well, then Jane, um, Peter, at the end, okay, he says, he says, after he gives his marginals, he said, Look, we weren't able to follow the law. You weren't. You can't follow the law. Why are we going to tell them to follow the law? Why are you putting God to the test? And it was like, bam, drop the mic. It says, the assembly went silent. Okay, this is the Middle East. Assemblies don't fall silent. Okay, there's no such thing as a silent assembly. That's an assembly. That is an oxymoron. Okay, you can't have a silent assembly. It's like quiet riot. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen. Okay? Um, you, bam, drop the mic. They just shut up. Ooh, ooh, that's pretty serious. Well, Paul and Barnabas then get up. Now, you know, Paul, he couldn't leave silence go. You know, Paul, he had to say something. So he says, uh, they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Um, there's unspecified, and also it talks about them, uh, the lame man was able to walk. So there's, there's signs that are being done among the Gentiles. Again, experience. Paul and Barnabas, signs and wonders. God has done signs and wonders, signs and wonders among the Gentiles. Is this not proof that God has accepted the Gentiles? Ah, but when you have just experience, is that enough? Do you just go by experience? There's, there are some books. I won't name them because I might hit your favorite. You never know. Um, there are books that people have written about their experiences that don't line up with Scripture. Mm. Um, you have to always weigh these things where this is what happened to me. You have to look in you through Scripture and say, uh-huh, really? Really? Mm. Because Scripture... Is where we go to. We're the Pharisees, remember? We look at Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, mm, we don't follow it. Well, James stands up. And he has two statements that are very important. He says, After this hour return, I will rebuild the tent of David, the house of David. How did, was the house of David rebuilt at this point? It had fallen, certainly. Was it being rebuilt? Well, who was from the house and lineage of David? Jesus, yes? True? The house is being rebuilt. The house of David being rebuilt. Jesus has come. Jesus has come. But not only that, it says, I, um, I will rebuild its ruins, I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and that, what? All the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from Gentiles are part of the house of David. Gentiles. David's house will include Goy. Gentiles. And that's the proof. That's the proof. And that's some that's one of our takeaways from this. Alright? Remember, I said this is mainly teaching. Well, I gotta throw something in there. But this is a good takeaway. We don't just follow experience, do we? If we follow just experience only, we get ourselves in trouble. True? We always compare experience with what? Scripture. With Scripture. 
And if it lines up, good. If it doesn't, which do you throw out? Scripture or the experience? <laughs> the experience, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people decide to change what Scripture means to fit the experience. That doesn't usually go so well. Alright? Um, and we have plenty of that going on. But we always take our experience, we see if it lines up with Scripture. If it does, it's good. If it doesn't, it's not good. Alright? So we always, and that's exactly what they did. They looked at the experiences that Peter and Paul and Barnabas had among the Gentiles. And then they compared it with Scripture. And it lined up. And they said, it's good. It's good. I'm not sure if I were a member of the Jerusalem Council if I would have been able to agree. It's hard to go against Scripture, especially for a Pharisee. All right? But, but the Gentiles... Wow, there it is. The Gentiles can follow the one true God without becoming a member of the nation of Israel. Oh, that's big. That's the first time in 2,000 years that this has been true. The first time. Never before. Ever for 2,000 years since Abraham, you had to become a member of the nation of Israel to follow the one true God, and now you don't. Oh, that's big. That's big. James gives his spiel there, and he says, Look, it's backed by scripture, it's backed by scripture. So, hey, let's just write a letter, just write a letter, and in that letter, let's say, Hey. Don't eat food that's been sacrificed to idols or defiled by idols. Sexual immorality, that's out. Things strangled, mm-mm. And blood, no, we don't eat that. And we look at that and we go, why did he do that? Well, the scripture tells us. It says because people are meeting in the synagogues all the time. And really, what's going to happen then? If people are meeting in the synagogues and you go into them and you've been eating blood and things strangled, and, yeah, a few other things. Are they going to listen to you? <coughs> no. Nah. You give things up for the ministry. You give things up for the ministry so that people will listen to you. Certain things you give up. It talks about that in, in uh, Romans 14. There are certain things that you can do, but not a good idea. Why? Because it doesn't help your ministry. Think of it this way. Let's say some people came over and moved into your neighborhood, and they wanted to do some evangelism in your neighborhood. Is that a good thing? They came from another country. Is that a good thing? Yeah, sure. Hallelujah. <coughs> Amen. Come on in. Let's join. And they, you find out they're coming from a country that, well, they, they don't mind eating a little bit of um, feline meat. Um, hmm. and, and then suddenly you start seeing traps out in the alley behind their house. Yeah, you might go to him and say, excuse me, if, if you really want to meet and talk to these people, your neighbors, <laughs> I think you might want to pull those traps in because it's not going to go well. They're not going to listen to you. True? True? Okay. All right, is there anything wrong with eating cat? I'm sorry. In this culture, it's horrible, right? But, you know, sorry, it's not against the law. It's not anything wrong. It, sorry, it's, in some places, it's just me. Sorry, I come from one of those places. Um, Mama Guinea, yeah. Kitty cats don't last very long, and we all know where they go. <laughs> We've lost a few ourselves. So anyway, so but if they came over here and they wanted to preach, or they wanted to meet neighbors and, and try and evangelize those neighbors, I, I would suggest keeping the traps inside. That's all that's going on here. That's all that's going on here. Look, these things are offensive to the Jews. All right, so let's not stir up trouble. Let's not cause any problems. Let's just go ahead and keep away from these things, and, 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 and that way at least we can get along. Not bad, true? True. Not bad. All right, so we can do that. So those are kind of our two takeaways. Look, sometimes we do limit ourselves just to help the ministry, and that's not a bad thing. Also, experience is great, but, but Scripture trumps experience every time. Amen. True? Amen. All right.
because we get lots of cults that way. And in Papua New Guinea, there are so many cults. Why? Because they look at experience, and experience is so important. And they don't have training to compare it to Scripture, and so they follow experience. And that's why God's put us over there, so that we can teach them, so they can compare their experiences with Scripture, and they can see whether they line up or not, so that they know whether they're following the true God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all that you've done, both here and in this country and in the country of Papua New Guinea. Father, help us to be careful. Help us to always be willing to limit ourselves just so that people might find, not find something that would be offensive to them, but that they would hear us, that they would hear us. Father, we also pray that you would help us to gauge our experience and to look at it in light of Scripture and always let Scripture be our guide, guide so that we can be blameless followers of you. In Jesus' name. reminds me we have a pet store next to the restaurant here. <laughs> <laughs> want to have their tamales. <laughs> Thank you for speaking on Acts 15. If you've not come across it, there's, there's winds of doctrine that blow through the land and there's a fresh wind blowing trying to reinterpret Acts 15. But if you read it all, it's very clear. Very clear. Especially with what Peter said. Why are we tempting God to put on their neck something we can't even carry? Amen. There you go, brother. Amen. Obviously, they were teaching the commands of Christ, the apostles' doctrine. Everywhere they went, they taught the things Jesus taught and commanded. But in addition to that, how do Christians relate to the laws of Moses? Do they become Jews? No. These four things. Let's do this so we're not offensive to them. And of course, sexual immorality is big in the commands of Jesus anyway. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, get to know the Moon Hanks when they're home from Papua New Guinea. Granbury is their home. Yes, we have another missionary from Granbury. So get to know them. God bless you. Thank you for coming.